Connecting for positive change. Hi everyone, we've made it to episode three. So thanks for joining us again and welcome to the Hydro Generally podcast series brought to you by Innovate UK KTN. I'm Steph Eldred from the Clean Energy and Infrastructure team. Uh, we had great conversations in episode one with Sam French on how hydrogen is produced. Uh, episode two was with Joanna Richart on where it can be used. Before we get into today's episode, just a reminder about the podcast and the network. So the Hydro Generally podcast series Series is the voice of the Hydrogen Innovation Network of Innovate UK KTN. We look at applications, opportunities and challenges of the hydrogen economy. We've got a goal to enable local clean hydrogen uptake at scale, so the uptake side um, and comparable costs and to help find novel solutions to that. So if you haven't um, already, then please go to our website through the link in the description and sign up to receive newsletters and updates. You'll also find previous and future episodes of this podcast there too. So following on from the chat with Joanna, we are today going to delve deeper into one of those key opportunities and that's the world of aviation. So to help me with this, we've got someone far more knowledgeable uh, on aviation than myself, my colleague Hannah. Hi Hannah, do you want to introduce yourself and your role and most importantly introduce our guest today? Hi everyone, um, my name is Hannah Abson and I cover aviation within KTN, so that's anything that's up in the sky. Um, so yeah, today we're really grateful to have Katie on the line on the podcast to help us understand the opportunity for hydrogen in aviation. Katie is the Head of Industrial Strategy at Fly Zero, which is a project led by the Aerospace Technology Institute and backed by the UK government with the aim to realise zero carbon emission air travel by the end of the decade, which is no mean feat considering at present the aviation industry contributes around 3% of all carbon emissions annually. So hi Katie, it's great to have you on the line. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, your role and, and maybe a bit more about the work that's underway within Fly Zero? Hi Hannah, thanks for such a lovely introduction. Yes, um, so I'm, I'm Katie Milne. I run a, a team within Fly Zero. Fly Zero's got a, a hundred uh, engineers and uh, market specialists and sustainability specialists that came together for one year from early 2021 to really try and understand what the challenges are with um, taking a hydrogen. Well, in fact, let me take a step back. So what we did first was try and understand what the routes were to zero carbon aviation um, full stop. Uh, so we looked across all of the different energy sources and um, we did that by uh, assessing lots of different options. So we looked at, at uh, battery electric, at um, solid fuel sources even. So we were trying to be unbounded. We looked at ammonia, we looked at hydrogen. Um, so we looked at all of these options, but they're all options which would have zero carbon dioxide out of the back of the aircraft, as opposed to um, some alternative options which would produce carbon dioxide out of the back of the aircraft, but which have been produced from by taking carbon dioxide in the aircraft in the first place. So, so we call we differentiate between those two different options by saying one is like zero carbon, true zero carbon aviation, and the other is a net zero carbon solution. So we've been asked 
um, by government, by the Jet Zero Council, so we could talk about them a little bit maybe later, um, by the Jet Zero Council to look at this zero carbon solutions. And um, very quickly, we came down to, to hydrogen as the technology that has the most potential to scale to larger aircraft and so to address the vast majority of emissions. And uh, the team within FlyZero, those 100 people that I was talking about, we came, we came together for a year and since kind of about June last year when we down-selected to hydrogen we've been looking at, at kind of all aspects of how you take a hydrogen aircraft to market technology market and my team's particularly concerned about manufacturing materials um, but also looking at um, what intervention strategy would be needed from the government so what's the industrial strategy for for intervention um, and also um, working on industrial engagement so kind of, kind of we're quite a a multi like multi-function team really um, but it's been a it's been a really uh challenging interesting exciting year and and amazing to be part of such a incredible revolution in aerospace technology great thanks thanks for that katie thanks so much for joining us and thanks for the intro hannah if we may we'll just jump straight in with a with a question really so um as someone myself um, from outside of the aviation world, Katie, perhaps you could just start by giving us a quick overview of where you see the key opportunities for hydrogen in aviation. Okay, so um, there's really, in, so in terms of aviation, if we just talk about the aeroplane, first of all, um, there's, there's two propulsion system architectures that have potential. The first one is hydrogen fuel cell electric. So that's a hydrogen fuel cell probably a proton exchange membrane fuel cell driving an electric motor. And that technology has potential, we believe, to scale possibly up to regional aircraft. So something that goes to kind of 80 seaters, 800 nautical miles, that kind of range. Um, that's already under development. Like There's a lot of companies out there around the world who are developing hydrogen fuel cell electric aircraft. Um, and they're mainly far targeted at very small aircraft at the moment, so 20-seaters, sub-regional. What we've also been looking at, though, is a, a second propulsion system architecture, which is a hydrogen-burning gas turbine. So gas turbines are the solution jet engines for, for most aeroplanes at the moment, and they could be modified. You can modify the combustor and the fuel system so that they run on hydrogen instead of on kerosene, on jet A1, which they do at the moment. So those are the two options. And we think that that second option, hydrogen gas turbines, they couldn't fully replace all jet engine aircraft, so they potentially couldn't replace an A380 or a 787, the really long-range ones, but we think they could scale up to a mid-size aircraft. So something that could uh, fly you maybe from London to Los Angeles, five and a half thousand nautical miles, um, and with carrying hundreds of passengers, so we, we reckon about 280 passengers. Yeah, so that, that's, that's where we're at on aircraft. It's really great to hear those kind of options laid out. Um, and I assume there's been kind of a, a strategy as you've worked through the different options for hydrogen and, and zero emission aircraft opportunities. So what challenges specifically have you found for hydrogen within aviation? So I, I think there's two groups. There's getting it onto the aeroplane and then there's um, there's the at the airport, really. So if I just talk about the, the aeroplane challenges briefly... Um, one is materials. So um, in order for hydrogen to go onto an aeroplane, it would have to be liquid. And liquid 
hydrogen only becomes liquid at minus 250 degrees Celsius, so it's cold. So it'd have to be cryogenically cooled in order to put it onto the aeroplane. So that means that we need materials that can cope down at those low temperatures, but that can also cope with long exposure to hydrogen. Now, the space sector, people who make um, space launch vehicles that run on liquid hydrogen, and there aren't many, so the, the NASA SLS launch vehicle or the Ariane rocket, then they use already these liquid hydrogen and fuel tanks and fuel systems. So, um, I mean, that's been great because it's a it's a, a stepping stone up for, for the aerospace industry. But those launch vehicles only are used once. You know, they're not used over and over and over again as we would have in in aerospace. So like getting those mate the materials data really that shows that it's durable um, and will last is, is a big issue. Um, we're also uh, concerned about mass, you know, so we'll be flying a, a, a tank and uh, insulation and more systems for managing the, the hydrogen fuel down from these very low temperatures to potentially quite high temperatures in the ga gas turbine, an entry gas turbine. Um, so light weighting is always a thing with aerospace and it'll be even more of a consider consideration with, with hydrogen aircraft. And, and then the last thing, obviously, is ensuring safety. So it'd be things like if you had an uncontained engine failure, which is very, very rare in aerospace, but does occur. Um, if that happened, making sure that none of the hydrogen systems were, um, you know, were, were affected. So, so those are the three big areas for the aeroplane. The, the other issues are more at the airport. So um, what we're expecting is that for very small short range aircraft, battery electric is a, it will be a solution. And um, it's it, it's particularly a solution as a as a kind of replacement for helicopters. So two seater, six seater, you see amazingly innovative companies like Vertical Aerospace in that in that space taking taking battery electric to market. But but batteries will will find it very difficult to scale to bigger aeroplanes, much bigger aeroplanes. Um, so, so you could have an airport that needs electric charging points for these tiny aeroplanes, that needs hydrogen supply for, for middle-sized aeroplanes, and then for very long range airplanes needs kerosene. That's quite challenging, managing that energy mix. Um, over time, it's possible that one solution will win through um, and that they, they'll then, you know, like... Betamax and VHS, everybody will then have a certain, certain refueling system. But so it's it's like how do you how do you manage that transition? I suppose from from one place to another, and of course you can't fly from one airport and not land somewhere. So and like there's one of my favourite stats um, is that ninety three percent of UK flights uh, are are international. We've got one of the highest number of uh, amount of aviation emissions per capita in the UK globally. We're fourth in the world in terms of number of flights. And the vast majority of those are international because we're an island, you know. So like the hydrogen airport that we have in London has to connect to another hydrogen airport somewhere else in the world. And so you've got to coordinate across country boundaries uh, it's a really it's a really big and interesting challenge and then and then the last thing supply you know in order to in order to have these hydrogen aircraft we need hydrogen supply that hydrogen has to come from green sources or else it's not 
it's not zero carbon. So you need very large amounts of renewable electricity. Um, you need, you know, plants that are do it, doing electrolysis from water to, to produce the hydrogen. And then you need conveyance from those production plants, the airport. And, and there's options. You could you could produce the hydrogen at the airport, potentially. Um, so, you know, this it's just lots of uh, innovation to go at so it's exciting definitely exciting and I think what we hear a lot within the aviation industry is that there's this kind of approach required that almost has a basket of measures so there's not one solution that will ultimately be able to tackle the various kind of um, I suppose distances that that we travel within aviation and aerospace so Within KTN, we're quite keen to to promote the right tech for the right solution or opportunity. Um, and so I wondered where you see hydrogen working and complementing these other technologies like sustainable aviation fuels or batteries. Do you see them as complementary? Where do you see the splits? And I know the Jet Zero Council are kind of tackling both the Fly Zero side and also the, the sustainable aviation fuel side. So it'd be interesting to hear a bit more about that. The Jet Zero Council is covering both um, SAF, sustainable aviation fuels, which would be a drop-in um, alternative to kerosene, and also hydrogen through um, through the work initially by Fly Zero, but then I expect that's going to be taken forward by their their zero emissions, the Jet Zero Council zero emissions delivery group. I think at this stage they are right to be pursuing. Um, multiple pathways to to zero carbon definitely because there's uncertainty in all of those pathways and if you think about like one of the things we've we've really paid attention to is timing so you know battery electric is going to come to market imminently really but it's for very small aircraft Uh, hydrogen fuel cell electric for sub-regional aircraft will likely come to market in the 2020s hydrogen gas turbine in the 2030s. Sustainable aviation fuels, interesting. In theory, it is, it's, it's nearly ready now. That's the theory. Um, but like all these things, it's not quite that simple. There's a couple of things that will constrain it. Firstly, blending. So it will need to be mixed in a way that's kind of reliable and people know what they're getting at airports around the world. And then the second thing is scale. So sustainable aviation fuels either comes from biomasses, lipids, fatty acids, greases, or it comes from hydrogen and the sustainable aviation fuels that come from biomasses are ultimately constrained in terms of capacity because they're either waste and so it depends upon us consuming um, and hopefully we're going to cut down consumption on lots of things or they are from um, they're, they're from biomass which you grow on purpose and that's things like sugars or algaes but they use up land and water that we might want to not use you know, we might not want to turn the entire world into into a massive farm for us, or that we might, or that might compete with our food supply. You know, so so biomass and algae, that there's a lot of potential in countries with a lot of land mass, like the United States. But for the world on on the whole, they are capacity limited. And the European Union did a really good study on this, where they kind of showed biomass ramping up early, but then tapping out, like topping out. Sorry, in the um in the kind of twenty late twenty twenties, twenty thirties, and having a maximum use at about about twenty five percent of European demand. 
So then in order to get all the way up to 100% of European flights being through um, sustainable aviation fuel, you need to turn to another type of sustainable aviation fuel, which is called power to liquid or e-fuel or um, sin-fuel. Now that power to liquid fuel is produced by um, taking hydrogen as a feedstock and also taking carbon dioxide, which you have to basically suck out of the atmosphere. And that technology is not mature either. So then you've got two mature two technologies that have potential to scale, liquid hydrogen on aircraft or power to liquid SAF. And both of them need a lot of investment to scale, but in different places. One is on the aircraft, one is in is in developing like direct air capture solutions and both of the technology levels are immature. So what you really need to do is be pursuing both of those quite aggressively and at a certain point, it will become clear which one is going to, to pull through. But companies around the world are doing that. So you're seeing increasingly a number of aerospace companies pursuing both pathways in parallel. Different emphasis, depending on which company you're talking about, but definitely looking at hydrogen as a route. Do we use the hydrogen on aircraft or do we use the hydrogen to turn into e-fuel or sin fuel or power to liquid? We really need to converge on just one name for that fuel, I think. And, and, and then you use that to fly around the world. Yeah, thanks. No, that's really comprehensive. It, it sparks a couple of thoughts, really. Your, I think your past couple of answers, but um, I suppose that the SAF and the fact that it kind of relies on us consuming and kind of waste products from that is very sim- similar to challenges in sort of heavier industry, perhaps 15 years ago, with kind of waste derived fuels, where it was always just as you'd got the plant or the process set up for that fuel, then it changes and actually as soon as you start um, consuming that it becomes a different kind of commodity it's not it's no longer a waste so yeah it's very very um, tricky really to get that right Um, and there's also with the your comment about us being an island really I know that's unsurprisingly a real key issue with maritime as well so it's not just about the the vessel or the technology to you know the transport element if you like it's knowing that when you get to your destination you can use whatever fuel or technology they've got there. So yeah, hopefully we're going to discuss that a little bit going forwards. Um, we're running out of time actually, but just something that's um, keeps springing to my mind what you talk about. You you mentioned about safety and NASA and things like that is the public perception element. So I'm guessing this is a really key issue in this industry. Um, I just wondered, yeah, how how the industry is tackling that really, or any considerations, yeah. Yeah, so people must be safe and it is a number one priority for for aviation, that people are safe. Aviation has one of the strongest track records of any mobility sector and they want that to continue. Um, So ultimately it's through testing, testing, testing. You know, that's that's got to be the route. And so before any passengers come anywhere close to those aircraft, they will be tested within an inch of their lives. And and one of the things that we've been looking at in, in the Fly Zero project is what would that testing strategy be? We need to fly hydrogen aeroplanes. You know, we need to have them on flying test beds. We need demonstrator aircraft. And all this stuff is time consuming. So the balance is trying to test, develop and test as aggressively as we can so that we can begin to take these aircraft to market as fast as possible so that we can begin to have some of the positive environmental impacts and and fundamentally allow people to continue to fly on their holidays to, you know, to the Costa del Sol because 
the 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 flip is is that if if we don't decarbonize the the sector then by 2050 it could be 25% of global emissions yeah no to- totally understand it's um probably one of the most the, the technology is one side but the um the kind of perception and people being comfortable with it i suppose being comfortable with the solution is probably as as key as anything else um as i said we're sort of um running out of time to be quite honest so thank you thank you so much um yeah we feel um really fortunate that we've had you along with us today and hear about the scale of the opportunity that um hydrogen and aviation present uh, also recognizing like hannah said really that you know we ktn we very much appreciate you've got complementary technologies and we want the you know the right solution for the right fit um so yeah th- thank you everyone for listening um any links mentioned today and a direct link to the innovate uk ktn website um, will have been added to the description for this episode don't forget to sign up to receive the newsletters and updates in the next episode we're going to continue this theme of delving into a bit of detail but we're going to go on to um, maritime hopefully Um, so thanks again for following us please join us again and goodbye connecting for positive change